Well, hi there. My name is Christine Talley. I am a certified crime and intelligence analyst. Uh, I currently work for a private company, but my start in this field was with a sheriff's department where I was assigned to the human trafficking task force as an intelligence analyst. Uh, I speak at law enforcement trainings and conferences about how we can integrate open source intelligence into our investigations and how important that is. And I'm also a volunteer with the National Child Protection Task Force. So as a certified crime and intelligence analyst, I actually started out more as a crime analyst, which was really focused on trends and patterns of crime in our jurisdiction, mapping those things. I'm trying to find connections between crimes, um, but I was quickly moved to our human trafficking task force and it became evident to me that I was going to have to jump into the open source arena. Um, by backgrounding a potential trafficker or a victim in, in just our law enforcement sources, I would only get a part of the picture of them. So there was this whole other world, their digital footprint that I was just completely ignoring when trying to background uh, these people for my investigators. But social media platforms, and that's, that's where they were communicating, posting photos, tweeting their thoughts, um, checking in at locations. This was the, the real-time information about them that I was missing out on. So we have several objectives as a law enforcement analyst using open source intelligence. Uh, the main one for me was identity resolution. So when working human trafficking cases or any cases involving criminal activity where people don't want to be found, um, we may start with just a phone number or their moniker or a social media name and really have no idea who they are in real life. And we have to try and figure out their true identity. Uh, so we need to use those selectors, those, those little pieces of information that we started off with to tie that phone number to a real person or a username to a real name. So along with uncovering someone's true identity, uh, my other objective was to find all traces of their online activity. So what social media platforms they were on, what messaging apps they use to communicate, what money transfer apps are they using to send and receive money from their crimes. So once we find those platforms, the, my next objective is to find what kind of evidence is available that I can see. What can I find publicly on these platforms? Is my target posting about their criminal activity? Are they sharing their location? Are they showing photographs of the cars that they're driving, uh, the people that they're hanging out with, who their network might be? And then finally, uh, it comes down to the net, that network. You know, who are they connected to on those platforms? Is there a larger network that I need to look into? So in the cases of human trafficking, can I find additional victims that are connected to them on these social media platforms? People maybe that I didn't know about before. Who are the people that are closest to my target? Who might he be working with uh, in order to commit these crimes? So open source research, gathering and analysis, it's gonna help us build a more thorough background on our target, which helps the investigation move forward. Okay. How did I gain my OSINT skills? So this was a, a crazy story. I, you know, of course, again, started it out as a crime analyst. I was actually working as an admin analyst, which was really, I was supposed to be learning how to help people run their reports and, and learn SQL and all this kind of crazy stuff. Um, but my boss at the time, uh, I think saw that I had some interest in open source intelligence. So amazingly enough, right off the bat, I, I had just started my job. Um, Michael Bazell, 
had a class at a local conference. So I had the opportunity to drive down to that class and start off by taking a class with Michael Bissell. You know, kind of everybody calls him the godfather of OSINT, right? So that was my first foray is taking this class, this eight-hour class with Mike Bissell. Um, and it really just sparked my interest, but I didn't really have kind of a work reason to get into it. Um, but so my boss decided he was gonna give me a little project and and I had the opportunity to start doing some social, social media research on a group that was um, involved in, in crimes in our area. And I found, I found one guy's Facebook page and took a look at his friends list and I couldn't believe it. He was somebody who's involved in criminal activity. His, his friends list was wide open for me to look at. So I was able to start looking at different friends kind of mapping them out. He had friends all over the country that were involved in this group and and mapping out who they were and what groups they were involved in um, and trying to check out their networks. So that was really my, my entry into it. But at that point, I hadn't had any training. Um, I hadn't learned methodology. This was really just me poking around. So shortly into that, I, that's when I got transferred to the human trafficking team. And again, that's where I realized that I really needed to jump into open source. My my very first case was my first day. I hadn't even unpacked my boxes yet. And I was asked to find a, a teenage girl to see if she was missing. She was at risk for human trafficking. Could I find her and figure out where she was? Uh, the problem is you're talking about minors, uh, the amount of information available, obviously on children in any sort of um, some paid data, you know, data aggregator or in law enforcement sources is very minimal. So I did everything that I knew how to do that day in order to find her and, and just came up with, came up with, with eggs, big zeros. I came up with nothing to find this girl. And, and I went home that night, extremely disappointed about the fact that I didn't feel like I had helped my investigators and I definitely didn't help find this girl. So that was where I think my open source, uh, passion was uh, was lit the fire was lit um and at that point it was just non-stop so i dove into as much training as i could possibly find so obviously in law enforcement there were law enforcement classes i was able to take but there were conferences and virtual conferences um i was started listening to all different kinds of podcasts reading blogs uh signing up for webinars I found a core group of, of well-respected OSINT practitioners, the ones that who seem to be talking and presenting and sharing the most. And I kind of just bit the bullet and, and connected with them on LinkedIn. I'm like, you don't know me, but I want to learn from you. Um, followed them on Twitter. And then once I followed them on Twitter, I'm looking to see who they were following on Twitter because you know they had to be great accounts too. So basically really what it came down to is I, I didn't turn down an opportunity for training. If that was in my spare time, it was on my weekend, if it was something I was gonna have to foot the bill for, I had this just need to learn as much as I possibly could about the field. So I also through all of that became passionate about the concept of OSINT for good. And so I found opportunities to apply this training that I was gathering through all these different sources and try to, I mean, as you know, I was doing it at work, but wanted to find other ways that I could help people even outside of, of my day-to-day -day job. 
So finding these opportunities of OSINT for good, you know, mine was through NCPTF, but there's a lot of great groups out there. Um, it helped me practice my skills and hone my methodology. But more importantly, it connected me again to an incredible network of people where I not only got to contribute with the little bit that I knew how to do, but I could ask questions about what they were doing. Um, the information they were finding and how did you find that and in in that learn even more from them so then of course I, it was just taking those skills as i learned them and applying them to cases for my job every single day so if i had learned something new about an email address or something interesting you could find about a phone number it was looking for that next case that next opportunity to try that technique out see what new information I could find by using that technique, see what didn't work or what I might have questions on. So for me coming into this field, it was a whole lot of see and then do it myself. I am so fortunate because I get to use OSINT in my work every single day. Um, I get to hunt for the bad guys. So that's my favorite part. I have a couple different stories that I can tell that the, um, one of them was really just about my work on my own, things that I did for my team um, as being their intel analyst. So it actually started after an interview with a human trafficking victim. She didn't have a whole lot of information to share with us about her trafficker or who all was involved in it, but she was able to tell us the the moniker of her trafficker, his nickname, his, uh, his street name. And she also had a photo on her phone of herself with the trafficker's bottom girl. Now, let me explain that. Um, a bottom girl is generally not only also a victim of trafficking, um, because she has also at some point been brought into this lifestyle, but she is called the bottom girl because she is the trafficker's right-hand man. So our victim had this photograph of her with this woman to go with the story that she had told us. So using that moniker, which was not a whole lot to go on, but I was eventually able to find music videos that the trafficker had posted on YouTube. And by looking through those music videos, looking through that account, through comments on those videos, I was able to find several of his social media accounts on other platforms. So not only by having this, this music video, by having his social media accounts, I now had a face, which was a huge deal. Um, but I was also able to see the different locations where they were filming these videos because our victim wasn't very clear on where she had been taken. She didn't know the area. So part of open source can be a little bit of a uh, um, geolocation, you know, trying to identify locations based on photos or videos. So I tried my hand at that and, and started really, instead of focusing on the people that were in these, these videos, start focusing on the background of the videos and where they were. So using those clues from those videos, I was actually able to identify the neighborhood that they'd frequented. So I continue to watch his videos and I find one where he was actually performing with a female artist who had her own, you know, music name. So using the images, I had to go through that video painstakingly because it was taken at night. Uh, so a lot of the details were kind of very dark and very difficult to see. But using the images of her that I pulled from that video, I was able to compare them to the photograph that the victim had provided and confirm that they were in fact the same person. 
So now with the photos of my suspects, with social media platforms that they had so kindly provided on these YouTube videos, um, and then going to those social media platforms and using techniques to try to figure out birth dates, um, looking at where they're checking in or tagging, um, phone numbers that I was able to gather from them. I could then run all of these selectors through not only my open sources that I was using, but also closed sources that I had access to and connected them to real identities. So with all of that information in hand, um, being able to verify the victim's account and her connection with the suspects based on those photos and those locations and what she knew about them, then I'm able to hand all of that information over to my investigators and help move that case forward. So by finding those platforms, finding the places that they're communicating, that they're messaging, uh, that they're sharing, again, locations or vehicles or any sort of uh, little tidbits about them and getting their identity, I can pass that information on. And what that's going to do is allow the investigators to write search warrants on those accounts, right? Because if they're talking there, they're communicating there, they're communicating with their victims, they're communicating with potentially other suspects. So taking all that information, it's, it's a great way to give a, a full, complete picture of the target suspects and victims to the investigators so that they can go and do, you know, their job to really flesh out the case and identify this criminal activity. Um, one of my favorite cases though, was one where I got to work with a team. And, and as an Intel analyst, being the only Intel analyst uh, um, at my work, I was often doing a lot of solo work um, and not really able to collaborate or to get more inspiration, obviously, from other people. So one of my favorite cases that was working as a team with NCPTF. And that particular case, uh, it was 4th of July. So I slept in that morning, it was a holiday. Um, and we got a call out from, from a detective in Texas who had asked if we would be able to, to help out on um, an Amber Alert that actually had just gone out that morning for two teenage girls. Now, these two teenage girls, they'd been missing for, for I believe it was about four days at that point. Um, one of the girls had gotten the opportunity to go onto her Snapchat and snap the word help. So at that point, when she had done that, then the, the level of danger and, and the critical nature of this case has been established. They're able to send out an Amber Alert so that call comes out to NCPTF, and, and again, that's why I love working with this organization so much, is because all of a sudden you have OSINT investigators from, I mean, not just the United States, but all over the world who start jumping in to start trying to provide information to people who are on the ground. So we all just started working that case virtually that morning. We all start um, spreading out, uh, looking at phone numbers, looking at uh, the places that the girls were last known to have been seen. Um, we're getting information in from the law enforcement agency that's, that's giving us additional selectors. You know, we heard that she was taken to this particular address who is there? How, what kind of information can you help us find about that person? And the big deal about that, as far as um, being a, an, an open source investigator, being an analyst for a law enforcement agency, is when it really comes down to it, our goal is to help our investigators know what they're going to be walking into as far as the situation. So if he gives us an address and says, hey, we heard that the girls were taken here, who is he going to find when he goes to that door? 
Um, is there going to be any sort of threat to him? Could he potentially find the girls? So we worked together that day. Um, it was, I believe, 10 hours of this whole crew working together and working uh, all of the information that we could put together, feeding it back to the investigator on the ground. And he was, as we're busy on our computers finding information, he was going from location to location, basically following a trail of these girls. So the amazing part of this is after 10 hours, um, he was able to kick a door in and and find these girls um, at the at a suspect's house and the the kind of uh, the feeling that you get from that that the fact that you have helped uh, bring these girls back safe you've worked together as a team to bring all of this information and that has got to be one of the greatest rewards of this work is just knowing at the end of it, hopefully you've had a, a positive impact on someone. Maybe you've helped get someone out of a terrible situation. Or again, as a law enforcement analyst, you've been able to bring justice for someone. Um, so I, I'm very fortunate that every single day I get to work on different cases like this um, and hopefully do some good in this world. So if somebody were interested in pursuing a career like mine, um, what can you do to get started? Well, the great thing about open source intelligence is that it's just such a huge field with so many different facets. So my journey started out as a crime and intelligence analyst. And so I actually went to school um, and got a certification in crime and intelligence analysis. So that's one way to start, you know, is obviously to to find the field that you're interested in and, and pursuing it through um, a higher education avenue. But whether it's, you know, you're interested in crime analysis or you're interested in computer programming, you're interested in journalism, um, start with something small that you want to learn. So for me, I wanted to learn social media and identity resolution. That was kind of my, my entry into open source. Um, start with something small. So again, if you're interested in geolocation, learn about, you know, follow a Bellingcat or, um, go and learn about shadows and how to read shadows and photographs. There's great websites for that. If you're interested in programming and learning how automation can help you in open source intelligence gathering, you know, look at learning how to, to write in Python or um, going to GitHub and finding all of these great tools that people have put together social engineering that's a whole nother part of the field there's so many different aspects that you can go into so my suggestion is to start small to find something that you're interested in because the world is going to open up very quickly to you this OSINT world when you start with something small start with that piece um, seek out the opportunities like i said with all of that training that you can find to not only learn the techniques itself but really most importantly is to learn the mindset and the methodology of open source gathering and um, analysis in whatever you know, sector of the, the field that you wanna go into. There are just so many different opportunities out there for training. Uh, so MyOSINT training, obviously, right? We're right here on this YouTube channel. Um, they have incredible classes covering just a variety of different open source techniques, um, different platforms, uh, different things that we can be using in our investigations. And of course, like I said, podcasts, uh, there's layer eight podcasts. There's uh, there's uh, the OSINT Curious Project. So I know that uh, it's something that's a little bit in the past here, but um, the OSINT Curious Project had a huge impact on my training. So 
check out their podcasts, their, their videos, their blogs that they have. Um, those are some great information to, uh, to gather some tools and techniques and mindset. There are a variety of OSINT conferences that are available every year. Uh, some are free, some you have to pay a little bit of money for, but um, those are great opportunities because you get to hear from a variety of speakers on a lot of different topics. So I find that when I go to those conferences, there may be you know a couple things I, maybe I don't quite understand or it's not something that I'm gonna use in my work, um, but I take notes on it because you never know when those things are gonna pop up in your investigations. And then of course I listen super carefully to the presenters who I feel like, uh, you know, I have something in common with um, our works, you know, they collide and, and I'm going to learn a lot more. So uh, after that, you know, finding the, you know, OSINT community on Twitter or Mastodon or Discord, um, there's a lot of great opportunities, again, to network with people out there. And and that's really, I think, what, what made me so passionate about this community to, to begin with is the fact that everyone is just so open uh, to share, again, the methodology and the techniques. Uh, I never found a closed door if I had a question or if I didn't understand how somebody did something. Sometimes, especially in law enforcement, you know, we can, we silo our information. We try to keep it from everybody else. And obviously there's good reason for that. Um, but in the open source community, again, incredibly open and helpful. So look for opportunities to volunteer listen to podcasts and and most importantly i think on top of everything else is to network so i have found that creating my network again on linkedin and on twitter has been the biggest catalyst to my learning because i have the opportunity to to ask questions of people to see what other people are doing in their investigations um trying to follow along with their methodology the techniques that they're using how can i apply that to my work um, so that's the been i think again the biggest catalyst to my learning is just making sure that i'm connecting with other people and having that network to lean on in order to get different opportunities hear about those conferences hear about what people are are listening to on podcasts, what books they're reading, um, and start making a list of everything that I, I've become like a hoarder of information, right? Um, to, to, to try and just continue to learn because this field, it changes and it changes fast. You know, something that you learned yesterday may not necessarily work tomorrow. So uh, having that network, people that you can depend on, people that you can brainstorm with, that has been, I think, the biggest thing that has helped me pursue my career. And I highly recommend it.